Hey, this is Mike Dawson from the Adam Carolla Show. You're listening to Stay Tuned with Troy and Howie. Erase everything in my mind. Show me just how to find inspiration in all this devastation.
Hey guys, thanks for listening to another show right here on Stay Tuned with Troy and Howie. Hey Troy, where can they find us? Yeah, they can get us on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. We even have a YouTube channel out there, Howie. And the rarely used Twitter. We did start <laughs> off using Twitter pretty often, but uh, we've, we've yeah. you know, cut back on that a little bit, but it's still there. And if you want to email us, you can do that as well. You can email me, staytunedtnh at gmail.com, or you can email Howie, staytunedhowie at gmail.com. So it's about all I have, Howie. You have anything to add to that? Well, you know what, Troy? Uh, I just want to just let the listeners know to just keep listening. You know, not only listen, but like, share, follow, and subscribe to everything that we put out there, whether it's social media or just our simple podcasts. You know, just, just listen, guys. Enjoy. Hey all, what's up? This is Brian from Data Monster Customs. Are you looking for that unique gift for your spouse, sibling, child, boss, or anyone for every occasion? Well, we do one-of-a-kind personalized figures. Check us out on Instagram at Data Monster, that's D-A-D-D-A-M-O-N-S-T-E-R, or just put Data Monster into the Google machine and check out everything we can do for you. Once again, this is Brian for Data Monster Customs. And uh, welcome to another episode of Stay Tuned with Troy and Howie. And uh, we have another special guest on here. And it's a guy I've been following for uh, quite a few years. Um, I've been watching, in fact, uh, both uh, Troy and I. Hey, uh, it's Earl David Reed, first of all. Let's introduce you, in. Um, <laughs> How and, you guys uh, doing? Hey, doing we're, great, doing, we're doing awesome. It's uh, such a pleasure to have you on. You're kind of a, a local uh, hero here in the, uh, in Central the uh, PA. entertainment world. Yeah, you know what? It's it's funny because this area has a lot of, of of entertainment in it. It's got a lot of places to go, places to do, lots of bands, a lot of music. Actually, the Central Pennsylvania Music Awards are coming mm-hmm. up uh, at the end of March. I do the red carpet for that um, oh, oh, uh, every year, and uh, I, it's just great. And I realize all the talent of all the entertainment that's in this area. It's just wonderful. Everyone needs to partake in it. Yeah. yeah, without a yeah, doubt. We're trying to get hooked up with them guys, actually, too. Uh, how he's like, I was like, when do we? How do we get there to present an award for somebody? <laughs> well, you know, let me check for it because maybe you guys could be on there and maybe even broadcast from there. I'll set you up with the right people that maybe um, that 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 do it because I know some some um, uh, radio stations show up and um, I know a lot of. It's a couple of podcasts were there last time. So, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, well, yeah, in fact, I, I think I think that. the guys from the Central Pennsylvania Music Hall of Fame started their own podcast as well now. Yes, and, they did. Um, 
And I, we had Olivia Faribault, Faribault on last year. Oh, I love Olivia. Oh, yeah, she's amazing. She's awesome. And she, she, um, she was telling us about, I guess, the drummer from Cold Spring Union is the one that kind of runs everything. If that is, am I mistaken yeah. there? Or yeah, okay. Absolutely, absolutely. And of course, Olivia Faribault. Let me tell you, in this area, um, some of the top people like Olivia, um, uh, Faribault is there. Eternal uh, mm-hmm. Frequency is another band that's there. Yam Yam. There's a whole lot of good people in here. Uh, mm-hmm. Kayla Crow. Another local person who's down in Nashville, making it up in Nashville now. Yeah, and, so is um, Olivia. Well, that's where Olivia is right here. now, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's, it. it's great. Yeah. It's great. And, and, and you know, cover bands are what they are, right? But there's a lot of great cover bands in this area, too. My gosh. Well, you know what? Here's what I'm finding out, which is always kind of interests me. You know, back in the day, as the stream starts to get wavy, back in the day, what happened was is, you know, everyone was called impersonators. Okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, they were called impersonators. You had an Elvis impersonator, who, whoever. Now they changed from impersonator to tribute. Nothing sells out better. I I don't even know where we've come in this country where someone <laughs> will go. You know what? I can't see Elton John, but I'm going to go and watch a guy that looks like Elton John. John Elton. Okay. And I'm going to jump up and down like he is Elton John. <laughs> yeah. You know. And it's just weird. These tribute bands, they're they're crazy. There was one called. Oh, what was it called? It was a Bruce Springsteen. Uh, cover yeah. band and I in the Poconos and I was performing in the Poconos and uh, there were two theaters and I was actually performing up there with the with the Temptations oh, and nice. then um, the, uh, <laughs> the 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 cover band the the Bruce Springsteen tribute band was in this other room so I remember going into the bathroom and I'm standing there and a guy just comes up next to me who's supposed to be Bruce Springsteen and he goes <laughs> hey boss. how you doing he goes hey brother how you doing just like Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> You know, it's like, okay, dude, you don't have to do it while you're pissing. I get it. I see the signs. I know who you're supposed to be. Yeah. That's not going to impress me, you know? So, go. It's, it's funny you said my wife and I, I were it. on our way down to Philly yesterday, or uh, Monday, I'm sorry, and uh, I got, we saw a, a, board, a billboard. Uh, Elmo's Queen was the name of the band, Elmo's Queen. <laughs> <laughs> and I sit there and I'm going, wow, so the tribute bands are taking up a lot of, of, of stage time and they're taking up a lot of the theaters. Like I start doing a lot more theaters. Now I go to some clubs and I'll do anything. I'll perform anywhere. There's a crowd because I noticed mm-hmm. something in this area, which is starting to happen a little bit all over the, 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 uh, the country. I'm doing a theater called the Plaza theater, Glasgow, Kentucky. Okay. Mm-hmm. Where the heck is that? Okay. It's about an hour and a half from Louisville and maybe an hour and a half from Nashville. And people go, well, why don't you just go to Louisville or go to Nashville? I go where people are going to be that don't want to travel to those places. Right, I right. can play Cleveland every week, but do I want to go up against uh, 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 the, the Cavaliers or the Browns or the Hall of Fame or anything? No. I want to go to a town where I'm going to be the guy, yep. okay? I'm going to be sense. the entertainment, and that's how you have to be able to do it. Unless you're a huge name, then it doesn't really matter. But um, mm-hmm. you, you go to all these different places where uh, people are, are, like, dying for entertainment, and you come out and you can be a star with it, so. Well, I, you know, I listen to a lot of different podcasts and, and some in particular that I listen to uh, are, are a lot of wrestling podcasts. Uh-huh. And I've, I've heard wrestlers and comedians kind of on podcasts together and their stories are so similar about not just the travel and moving, but like working the crowd. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's that's an art that comedians have to have as well as wrestlers. They need to know, OK, when do I need to rest? When do I need to you know go for the big move? And you're reading the crowd. So and you were kind of talking about that. Like, did you always start? with a script that you were going to go on the stage with, or when did you start kind of working the crowd into it and using them as part of your show? 
in the beginning, I had a script and, and, and follow by, and by no means, you know, I'm not the best comedian there is out there. I will tell you that. And some of you will probably tell me that too, but in this <laughs> business, what it comes down to is it's being competitive. Okay. Yeah. It's like, okay, you put me here. I make that crowd laugh. I move on. Whoever comes in after me, they have to do that job. Whoever comes in before me, but I do the job I'm supposed to do. And then I, I go on. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's like, I really had a script in the beginning and I could sit here and I'm trying to think of one of the first jokes that I thought that I was never going to get rid of because you start out, you go, that's my killer joke. I'm going to do it. Well, it's so funny. If I look back on old TV shows, I was watching a prime video and there was, um, um, uh, evening at the improv, the show that used to be on A and E a thousand oh, yeah. years ago. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I stopped to watch it because I saw Alfonso Ribeiro there, and I go, "Oh my god, he's just a kid." And then he introduces yeah. me, and I walk out, and I go ahead and I perform on wow. this thing, and I listen to the the routine and stuff that I did then. It's nowhere near anything of what I I, I do now. I think back then I was just kind of performing, but I think now it's actually become like a part of me. So I could turn yeah. it on. I could turn it off. I can be relaxed when I, I do it. I don't get nervous anymore. I get more or less like like anxious. And working off the crowd just came with me because um, there's a lot of people that think that's uh, that respect it. And there's a lot of people that go, oh, I don't know if that's good. I just really wanted to come here. And uh, you're supposed to make me laugh with jokes. But I think it's kind of important if you're able to get up there and make people laugh about them. In other words, if I'm working with someone, not necessarily making fun of them, but if I work off what they say that's funny, they're sitting there going, well, heck, he didn't know I was going to be here tonight. So right. that's pretty cool that he was able to incorporate me into that. And and now I can tell that he's really funny because yeah. people can go up there every night with the same jokes, you know? Yeah. And you see a lot of that with comedians that they are going up there with the same jokes and it, it does have to wear out after a while, I would imagine. Well, you know, it's funny because I think there's a certain, there's a finite number of comedians that the, I think, uh, that are being forced on us, you know, mm -hmm. they're famous comedians and no disrespect to them, but they're famous comedians and you see them everywhere. Mm -hmm. Okay. And now people go out to see them just to show up, just, just to look at them. Right. Okay. And, and to hear, and to hear their popular stuff, right? Yeah. Or just, just be able to sit there and go, wow, I see them walk out. And once they walk out, then the novelty's over. Now, like I, it's like white noise at that point. You're listening to just about everything else. And people always think, well, you know, um, you know, I know you, I don't know you, but you're not as famous as whatever. Can you make a living doing this? And I tell people this all the time. Okay. There are a lot of famous doctors out there. Dr. Dr. Uh, Phil, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Uh, Dr. Brothers, Dr. Roof, all these famous doctors out there that make millions of dollars or barely good money. You know who else makes a good living? Your doctor, okay? And <laughs> yeah. no one else knows him, but he still makes a decent living. You know why? Because he's those guys. He just doesn't have the notoriety that they have. But a doctor's a doctor, and they still yep. do pretty well. And I try to tell people that. Yeah, he wakes up every morning, goes to his job, and still yeah. does his work every day. And uh, how long have you been doing this, by the way, stand-up com uh, comedy? Oh, my goodness. Uh, let's see. Probably about 25 years. Okay. The funny thing about this business is there's no rules. No rules. No, no, nothing's fair. It just goes the way it goes. You yeah. know, I look at some of the people that I perform with starting out with, and they're in a different situation than I'm into. And I just, that's just how it, that's just how it goes. But mm -hmm. most of the time, there are really no overnight successes with this stuff. Most of the people that have become really like big at it are like, um, 
like like been in for like 20, 25 years. Like Seinfeld had been doing it forever before he even right. got the show. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, and that's how it always seems to work to, to work out. It's a it's a thing that you put time in it. And what what I find addictive is you, you know, there's days you get up and you go, I you just wanna quit. No matter what you do in life, you get up and you think of what you're doing, you just want to quit. But this business is so funky because the day you quit, the next day could be the day that something happens. Yeah. Okay. And it comes out of nowhere. You can work something up and get and have something in the works. It got some plans. But a lot of times, like when I got the tonight show, I wasn't even looking for it. I was just standing there on stage and it hit me. And I could have went out there and tried to do a set or audition a thousand times and it wouldn't well went as well as me not knowing there was someone sitting there. Mm-hmm. Okay. And was, how did you get on the Tonight Show with Jay Leno? Hosting um, the uh, at the Improv in Hollywood. Hosting the Improv in Hollywood. Um, I was on night. I wasn't even supposed to host. And if you go to the Improv in Hollywood, it's a continuous night of comedians. Okay, just a continuous night of comedians. Now a lot of people yeah. don't want to host, but I like the host because I go. Well, listen, that means I get to go up on the stage a bunch of different times, not just my one set and I leave. Mm-hmm. What happens a lot of times, too, is, I mean, since it's Hollywood, anybody can walk in. And, of course, yep. there's a pecking order. If yep. I'm standing there and Seinfeld walks in and he wants to do five <laughs> or ten minutes, yes, everyone you gets bumped. Yep. Okay? And that's just how it goes. Now, I was up there hosting, and um, they came in and saw me, and that's how I, I, I uh, got to do that. That was pretty cool. And it was really weird because I worked with Jay Leno a thousand years ago, it would seem like, at a comedy club in Connecticut where I'm from called the Treehouse Comedy Club. And he was doing comedy clubs back then. And I actually brought out a picture of us when we were younger, and uh, we we both have, have aged drastically. <laughs> well, he's had some bad luck recently. I've heard. Dude, so yeah, like yeah, he's had some yeah. bad luck. Did, wasn't he just in like a car fire or something? Well, he, he, he not only a car fire, fire, but a motorcycle accident. Just a motorcycle accident too. Yeah, Man, you know, bad luck. Which is weird because that guy's totally into cars and motorcycles. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's you what's going to kill like him. He loves it, but for some reason, he can't land all the time. <laughs> well, we have the pleasure of being joined here by Earl David Reed. You can find him on all the social media stuff just by putting his name in there, Earl David Reed, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And uh, he said uh, he said TikTok's coming right around the corner, right, Earl? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I kind of hope I don't outlive – I kind of hope I don't outlive the TikTok thing. I, you know, that's when you know you get older when you go, I could learn that. Or I could probably die. You know, it's just easy. Yeah. I don't know. The tic-tac, the ding-dang, the ding-dong. I don't know what these kids are on nowadays. I'm just trying to stay yeah. afloat with it, you know? Now you you I, mentioned uh, you, know. you look a lot um, – you look obviously a lot older than you did a thousand years ago, like you said. Um, but yes. I would have to argue that you probably look better today than you did back in the day because if I'm remembering correctly, uh, how overweight were you at one time? Oh, man, good call. I was about 245, 255 at one point. And um, and I really didn't realize how overweight I was. And um, but I did Arsenio Hall show and I remember doing Arsenio Hall show and I never watch anything that I do on television. Never, never. Yeah. Do. And then one night I was sitting there watching it when I did this and I'm sitting on there and I'm and I did this stand up and I'm sitting on this the, the, the thing and I'm and I'm I'm sweating to death. I'm just can't stop sweating. And I was this big guy and I was sweating through my suit. And, and I was like, yeah, that's when I had the chain. So I. Natural body build, and I have a trainer now, Chaz Wardle, out of out of Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and uh, we actually competed. Uh, what was it two years ago in the Mister Pennsylvania, and I won that for the Masters division. For oh two. wow, Very good cool. for you! So that's that's good. I people don't know how old I am, but I, I I'm I'm a lot older than people think. You know, well, see, I'm really surprised by that because I was just you know speaking with my hairdresser about this this evening actually, and she's like, 
how old a guy is he? And I was, and, and you don't have to give away your age if you don't want to. But I was like, I don't know. I thought maybe like mid forties, something like that. But well, oh goodness gracious, tell him thank you. But uh, <laughs> I'll give you a hint. Uh, prostate jokes aren't funny anymore. Okay. <laughs> All right. They used to be ha ha. Now it's like, whoa. You yeah. Know? Now it's real. Um, you know, it's like you get to a certain age where all you're doing is bending over and coughing basically. Um, because, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm up there. I, well, I'll tell you, I was born in, uh, yeah, I don't know if this helped me get the young women anymore. Not that I was getting a bunch of them, but, um, I'm, uh, I'm March 12th is my birthday. I have a show coming up around there. I will be 62 years old in March. Whoa. Good for you, man. Yeah. Wow. I am completely gray on the inside. <laughs> Good I look for like you. I going bad. Honestly, dude, you, dude, look, you look amazing, amazing for 60. Yeah. Well, it's really weird, too, because I never – I guess it's a testament for I've never drank. I never smoked. I never did any drugs or anything. Um, you know, and if I'm not putting anybody down that's that's gone through that. Whatever, yeah. But it, it has to say something for it, you know? Yeah. yeah. You know, Man, people I, always I go, well, hey, you know what? Uh, black don't crack. And I go, no, that's a bunch of crap because I got I got family members that look like shit. I'll tell you right now. <laughs> I don't know if black cracks, but you sure bend the hell out of it. You know, you, you know, that's a great yeah, transition right. here because that's exactly where I wanted to go with you kind of next. Or I wanted to bring it up at some point anyway, is when when you get into your routine and you, and you start doing your act like do, do you play a lot of the stereotypes and, and how comfortable are you with that? And um, not just not just black. I'm saying like in general, like um, there, well, there's a guy that's really making a lot of rounds right now, like like Andrew Schultz, if you see him going around and stuff like that. And like yeah. he's not afraid to to do the stereotypes of different races and religions and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. how comfortable are you with that? I think at some point you have to fall into a niche and be that person like Bill Burr is like that. And mm -hmm. for some reason, people expect that from Bill Burr. And no one's ever said, oh, I'm going to cancel him or anything. He, he, he just goes with it. And it's funny you mentioned that because the landscape of the audiences have changed. You know, mm -hmm. um, I have a guy, my assistant, Christian, he follows me all over the place. He's like a, a former Navy guy, ninth degree, black belt, whatever. And he was in the beginning. I was like, well, he's the guy to take care of me, you know, make sure no one jumps on me. And then the other day I mentioned to him, I remember saying to him, listen. You may actually have to start working for your money. It's getting <laughs> crazy out there, you know. And uh, there's some things that you can't do anymore. And uh, or I try to like, okay, maybe two years ago, I don't know, maybe five years ago, we'll say. Um, there's just something that I normally do. I always say, oh, you know, do you have any kids? And someone goes, they have three. And my natural reaction when I go three is go, oh, one of each. Because back in the day, everyone would go, oh, that's cute and everything. Now you can't do that because yep. it could be one of each. Right? <laughs> yeah. You know? Right. right. Uh, so I go, wow. And I actually I actually explain that to people while I'm on stage with it. And then that turns to be the joke itself, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, you got to be uh, careful where you go. And I'm pretty much a – I don't do any politics or anything else like that. My thing is like, listen, first of all, I don't think I'm smart enough to carry a political conversation. Second of all, <laughs> I like the idea of you coming in and having my show be an escapism from it. Mm -hmm. You know, I make you laugh. My show will make you laugh. It'll make you cry. I make you think. We have a great time with it. So if you're going in, like if you're going into a comedy show, like one of these guys that definitely likes to push the edge, like it, you almost got to know that guy going into that, right? Because you could definitely get people walk in there that are going to be pretty highly offended if they hear some of that stuff. Well, it's weird because I worked New Year's Eve up at the co-host uh, theater in uh, co-host New York, which is outside of Albany on New Year's Eve. Um, 
there's a pro a promoter named Tommy Nicky. Every year, he puts together New Year's Eve shows in different theaters in different areas, like Albany, uh, New Haven, Connecticut, whatever. He does like seven or eight shows. They're great because no one really wants to go out for New Year's Eve anymore. Okay, right. they go mm-hmm. see the show at seven thirty. It's done by nine thirty. They're home. They always pack out. They always sell. Um, I was working with a couple of comedians this time, an older guy that I probably knew for about maybe 15 years ago, and a younger guy who was kind of an edgy kind of guy. And I had to go on after that, okay? I don't really care because I don't listen to what anyone else is doing, mm-hmm. okay? I don't even want to think about what they're doing. i like, okay, let me go. I usually have my earbuds in, and I'm walking around, and I, mm-hmm. I do what I do because at this point, it's like I don't want to get stu- anything stuck in my head on how they reacted to him, I want to have a whole clean reaction to me. I want to cleanse the palate and get out there and uh, and perform. So, well, I mean, it's it's really a, a a tricky situation, you know, going up there and not wanting to offend anybody. But some like sometimes like that's the shtick, right? Too like you you know you want to be funny, so you you got to push the edge a little bit, you know. Some well, some I mean, here. it's funny because I go up every night, and, and a lot of times I'll go up and I'll say, "Listen," I said, "Tonight, my goal is to get someone to leave." <laughs> <laughs> My goal is to get someone to leave. You know why? Because I need the publicity. I said, you guys come in here all the time. You laugh. You have a great time. It was fantastic. That's not doing shit. Okay? So someone's got to leave, and someone else has to film their leaving and post it. Okay? There we go. It's about time we elevate this career. So I can say it like that. When I do that, and then I can pretty much say anything after that because they say, oh, he's just saying it to try to make us leave. You know? (laughs) And and that when I go, like the other – uh, New Year's Eve, there was a really smoking hot looking Asian girl in the front row. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I said, I think I'm in love. I said, I used to go out with an Asian girl. She is very sweet and sour. OK, so, um, so, so she's laughing. And of course, everyone looks to see if she's laughing to see if it's OK if they're laughing. Yeah, right, right, right. That's right. Why I always say people, I said, you know what the worst place to be in America is to be a middle of the road white guy. Because you guys can't do nothing. Yeah, you, can't right. laugh you don't know if it's anything. okay to laugh you or not. Yeah, anything. Uh, you know, everything you have has to be clear. It can't be colorized. You're the first people to be sacrificed. You know, mm-hmm. and it's horrible. It's horrible. Yeah, I agree. It, and you know, you kind of mentioned that uh, talking about that person in that front row. What do you think of uh, like? What are your thoughts when it comes to uh, what Chris Rock had to go through, and all of a sudden Will Smith is coming up on stage and slapping him? You know, it's so funny. I've listened to a bunch of people say that, and some people go, well, a man should stick up for his wife. <laughs> I agree, but not to the level of assault. You right, know, I mean, right. I mean, we're looking at some people are looking at this like, well, he was sticking up for his wife, but you still can't, you still can't hit people. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. you can't hit them and everything. Yeah. And or I at just least not right on live TV, TV, right? Like, hey, you know, I'll talk to you at backstage, end, buddy. You know, <laughs> that's exactly what I said. I would be like, well, if I was really that upset about it, I probably would have, uh, first of all, I'm not walking up on stage, but you know, Will Smith is Will Smith and everything. He's going to do something funny, like kiss him or anything. Right. But right. even I would say him afterwards and I would talk to him backstage. The news story the next day would have been like, wow, Will Smith and Chris Rock got into a shouting match backstage. Yep. Okay. When he goes up there and he slaps people, it does nothing for nobody. And no. it sounds horrible. But the fact they're two black guys assaulting the guys on national television in an in 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 arena where everyone's supposed to be sophisticated doesn't look good for anybody, and particularly and, and the, us. The thing that really threw me off about that whole situation is I thought a lot, of, like especially the hosts, like when they have their jokes wrote out and stuff like that for the evening, don't, isn't that usually gone over beforehand to make sure everybody's kind well, of okay you know, with it? I don't know if it was that much for them to even go over that because that was such just a throwaway joke. I mean, we know Chris right. Rock. Chris Rock has said things – 
30, 50 times funnier than that joke. It's right. just a throwaway, you know? I mean, that, that's just, you know, it's like, hey, whatever, you know, it's just throw it away. It's not even his best joke. Right. Yeah, you, know? if you look at Will Smith in the crowd. He was actually laughing at it before, um, before Jada, it. you know, yeah. yeah, gave him the look. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what they should have done is they say, well, Jada, come up on stage and hold up your purse so we can see how comfortable Will's balls are. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my goodness, you know, and, but here's the thing that's really this is why the world is so disturbing. And it's so freaking hard just to get along in this world because yeah. you have to make conscious decisions and decisions are hard to make. That man slapped that guy. Chris Rock was 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 a prince about the whole thing. He just yeah. started rolling around on the yeah, stage with him, which would have made it even worse. Yeah. Okay. And I said, wow, Will Smith goes up there and he gets that award for uh, for King Richard and he acted like nothing ever really happened. Yeah. And I was like, they shouldn't even give him an award. Two weeks after that, I sit down and I watch King, King Richard and I'm going – that's a fantastic job that he did. So now mm -hmm. I'm torn. You know, I don't want him yeah. smacking the guy, but should he have gotten the award? Yeah, it was a great film. It was a really good film. So yeah, yeah. no, yeah, that's and that's really something too. You know, you brought that up because like that that could like before. You know, people outsiders that might not know those two people, they see that whole situation and they probably have Will Smith on a little bit higher of a platform than they had Chris Rock, right? But after yeah. that happened. Like Chris Rock jumped him, right? Like for sure. Like Chris Rock handled that so much better than anybody would have expected him to handle that situation. Yeah, because comedians always have a different look when people look at comedians. Comedy is always dangerous from the outside looking in. Anytime people go to a comedy club, they think, oh my goodness, cover my ears. It's going to be offensive. They never consider the fact that it's an art and it's an ability to be able to make people laugh, right. to mm -hmm. evoke an emotion like laughter. I can make anybody cry, okay? But to make them laugh, when they're going in there expecting you to make them laugh right. is, is, is hard to do. So the comedy has never gotten that much respect. But I think the way Chris Rock handled that, I think it just showed that, wow, he was just a much of a classy guy, you know? And it, it's, it's, but it's weird too, because I look at it this way. I look at it. Okay. So Chris Rock says that Chris Rock's like, I don't know, maybe five ten, maybe 160 pounds. Yeah, say, that, he's not a big guy. You know? Suppose the rock's up there. Okay, and the Rock makes that joke. <laughs> yeah, okay? I don't think Will Smith's going. You know, is Will Smith jumping up there and slapping the Rock. Probably I, I, not. I don't think he you know? would. You know, I don't probably, think Will Smith would have went up and slapped Eddie Murphy for that matter. Well, that I, I, like I'm sitting there, I'm going. When I see that, when I saw that happen, I go, "This is um, just a really weird situation." I don't know what kind of hook she has on him, but she had her show and he was on her show and they mm -hmm. were talking about the relationship that they had where they had outside people coming into the relationship, mm -hmm. you know? Yep. So who's slapping who? He should be slapping the other guy that's banging her. Forget Chris yeah. Rock. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, uh, I, I was, I think that was all bad timing too. I, I really think a lot of it was kind of like everything was coming out about their relationship and that whole situation with the other gentleman that she was seeing for quite a while and, and and then that on top of it, and I think at that point it was like he was taking his manhood. It was like it was like a hit on his manhood for not sticking up for his woman at that point. And I think yeah. that's where it kind of stemmed from, to be honest. But but that just goes to show you when it comes to relationships and everything. You know what? If Will Smith can't make it work, okay, <laughs> what about <laughs> yeah. us normal people? You know, <laughs> no I mean, doubt. when it comes no to doubt. emotion, emotion and affection has nothing to do with money at all. Nothing. 
Okay. Yeah. It has right. Nothing to do with 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 money, uh, uh, affection, and money at all. So I mean, it can hit all of us. So that was pretty strange. Well, yeah. Because let's get that were the case, there'd be a sweet and sour Asian right behind you talking with us <laughs> here as well. <laughs> Let, let's well, get back. Funny. That girl, she started following me right after I said that. So you know. Oh, nice. no way. Yeah, absolutely. And then an hour later, she followed me again. No, see, now that's bad. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> see, that's hard. That's the best thing. That's open mic stuff, please. But anything, um, yeah. So let's get back to talking to you again a little bit. First of all, real quick, uh, Earl David Reed on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, you have a few shows coming up uh, March 24th at the Eiffelberger Performing Arts Center. And that's uh, the Ike.org. Yep. Yep. Okay. March 25th at the Reading. What's that? That's oh, in Hanover. Hanover. Yeah. yeah, correct. Yep. And then in March 25th, you have the Reading Civic Center in Reading, Pennsylvania. And that's ReadingCivic.org. And then April 1st, you'll be right around the corner from us at the Allen Theater in Anvil, Pennsylvania. And yes. uh, that's AllenTheater.com. Correct. Mm -hmm. And then the other one I didn't get to write down uh, beforehand, but it's it's May 20th, I believe, is what May you said. May 20th at the Appel Center in York, right in ground zero. Gotcha. You know, I love playing that place. I, I came in there. I was supposed to – I did a show there a couple years ago. was supposed to do another one. Then COVID hit, and then we did nothing. And now I'm going back to make up that show. So that will be mm -hmm. on May 20th. What are, that's what's a, that that's website? A good show. What's that website for those tickets? Uh, I think it's the AppelCenter.org, I think it is. I, I, I think it is. If you if you Google uh, Appel Center or Earl David Reed, it'll pop up like a rash. So, yeah. that. <laughs> so let's let's kind of talk a little bit about your history. Like, obviously, comedy is always I mean, that's big for any kid. Right. So when when did you kind of say, like, I want to do that? I want to I want to learn how to make people laugh. When, when did that really hit really you? Weird, cause I was always kind of a show off. And I, 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 you know, pretty much I don't know if I ever thought I was ever going to be a comedian. Uh, I went to school, Syracuse University. I have a degree in dentistry. I'm supposed to be a dentist. Okay. Oh, nice. um, yeah. So, but I remember going home and working at this comedy club called the Treehouse Comedy Club in Westport, Connecticut, because I'm from Connecticut. And um, and I worked the door there. And then I remember saying, I'm going to get up on stage. So I got up on stage, waited at the restaurant they had there in the morning for a while. And I just remember saying, if I could do this enough to make some money at it, I'm going to go ahead and I'm and I'm just going to go ahead and do it. And so I think it just kind of picks I, – I just kind of was was good at it. I don't know if I, I've ever planned that. I didn't think about that growing up and being a kid. Comedy is a funky thing. Like there are places where there are um, comedy classes and comedy seminars. Mm -hmm. You can't you can't teach someone to be funny. Right. You can maybe teach them to say funny things. But, you know, but I mean, listen, but anybody, you, you, a guy at the office will tell you something funny. Your kids will tell you something funny. So you it's know? really just about watching other guys, right? And kind of learning the the uh, the cadence, maybe stuff like that, right? Like when I started out, we had an open mic night that had um, um, a bunch of guys in it that were, I mean, really, I mean, it was really good. It was like maybe every week they had open mic night. We only had about 12 guys that would go up. Well, maybe 15 guys that would mm -hmm. go up that night and about nine of them, nine of them, 10 of them are really, really good. And uh, the couple other guys were just kind of stragglers and, and, and stuff. But, you know, back then uh, people wouldn't sign up for the open mic night because they were like, well, I got to make sure that I'm really ready or I don't know if I can be as good as those, those guys. And they wouldn't sign up at all. Now you go to open mic night now and there's like, you know, I stopped in one night at the, at the comedy zone. Um, the, to talk about a show that I was doing there, and I had an open mic night. They had forty-seven comics on there. Oh now, my okay, gosh! Forty-seven at four minutes apiece. Now oh I say gosh. forty-seven comics, and comedy's the weirdest thing. You can get on stage one time 
and call yourself a comedian. I find that slightly offensive. You know, meanwhile, you know, you can use all the band-aids and give out all the aspirin you want. You're never going to be a doctor until you're a right. doctor. Yeah. Comedy is the one thing that you can immediately grab that title and you can go with it. And um, it's it's so weird because I watch people and it just makes me thankful for, for where I'm at. I'm not ever trying to discourage people, but a lot of people now, you know, they come up and they ask you for it, it, advice. And um, and I, when I'm sitting there and I just and I go, wow, because I feel kind of honored, but I don't I don't know what to do advice. My advice to everybody is just get on stage as many times as you possibly can. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you get on 30 times, you'll be that good. If you get on once, you'll be that good. Just keep going and going and going and figure out what works and what doesn't work. Who were some of your favorites? Oh my goodness. Well, I'll tell you right now, my favorite of overall, all the comedians is uh, Don Rickles. Oh, Oh, Don Rickles is my favorite. There's actually a picture of me on my page with him at one point. I done, I did the, um, the, uh, the, the weirdest thing I did the, uh, the Riviera Hotel in Las Vegas, I was performing there. The Riviera is not even um, um, there anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was performing at the Riviera Hotel. And um, it's week because this is the same weekend as something else happened. I'll tell you this. Actually, it's the same weekend that when they called to put together the morning show, okay, they called me up and I was in Las Vegas. And uh, they called up Jen Shade to tell her about doing the morning show with us. And while, and we were all in different areas. And it was really weird. She's talking to them, talking about doing the morning show. She goes, you're not going to believe this, but I'm driving down uh, the, the strip in Vegas. And I see Earl's <laughs> name up there on the sign. Get He's the heck out of here. We were actually in town at the same time. But <laughs> I was playing at Riviera Hotel. That's crazy. And, um, every every week they come out and they look at us acts and they put in their you know acts to see. They write this in there. What's to see during the trip? Which is a big deal because there are tons of sure. things to do in Vegas for sure. So they came out and they saw my show and they saw me working it and they called me an urban style Don Rickles. That's a Las Vegas Journal Review wrote that and they put that in the wow. paper and I was well. You took that as a compliment and I said, well, that's that's pretty good. I think that's that's pretty cool. Um, but I didn't think anything about it, but I remember performing there. And on a Saturday night, which is my last night, the owner comes up to me and he goes, um, he goes, uh, big Italian guy. Oh, my goodness, big Italian guy. He comes up and he goes, uh, uh, I'd like to see you after when this is over. You know, <laughs> and, and actually, you know who was running the club back then? This guy named Steve Sharippa. Remember from the um, – from the uh, Sopranos, he played Bobby in the Sopranos. Oh my gosh! Oh, wow. He was running no the club. This, this world, this freaking big, folks. It's a blue marble. It's really small. <laughs> and he was Where's running the piece club. Of paper? So he's like, "I want you to come back after the end of the show." So I'm going, "What the heck did I do? You yeah, know, right? am I gonna? What's gonna happen?" So I go back there, and it's a late show. It's late night, and I walk in the office, and sitting in the chair is Don Rickles reading the paper. Oh, get he's the got the paper out. up, and he says. And he's, he sees me coming in, and he's reading it like he's, he doesn't see me. He's going, an urban style, Don Rickles. And he's saying that. His stripper goes, Mr. Uh, Mr. Rickles, this is Earl David Reed. He goes, hey, how you doing? Oh, my God, he's black, he says, just right there. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, he goes, I'm just kidding. Here, come here. And he gives me a hug. And he gives me a, a hug, and he goes. And then he backs up and starts patting himself to see if his wallet is still there. <laughs> so the guy is always in character. Always in character. Um, I just thought that I just think he is great. I see they have all the roasts now. That has and, to be like the highlight uh, of your Tommy career, right? And everything. But um, I, I like going back and watching the old school ones because back then, a lot of the stuff they said back then was like, oh, man, you can't say that sort of thing today, which made it great. Yeah. Now you can You're almost so say right. just about anything. 
if you're willing yeah, to pay the consequence for it. So I always think about that too. In fact, I, I'm the same way as you. I, I'll go back and look at some of these older shows, and uh, like I'll watch All in the Family, uh, Sanford and Son, uh, The Jeffersons, and and you know just listen to some like the comments that were made back then. Could you imagine them being made in today's world? Well, it's it's so weird too because I think anybody that's our age that remembers those shows, yeah, will get it. Where it's like you sit there and you go. Oh, that's just that's just funny stuff. It's just exactly. Funny. Um, uh, Norman Lear, who wrote most of those shows, he mm-hmm. knew what he was doing. He knew oh, exactly yeah. what he was going for, and he got the right people to be able to play those those parts. I mean, you saw Carol O'Connor in what in the Heat of the Night afterwards wasn't yep, the yeah. same guy. No, you know, no, he's always going to be Archie Bunker. Okay, mm-hmm. and I think back then it was a little, it was just different. I just think it all, it just all fell really well. I think it's to the point now that. It's weird because nowadays you get some of the younger guys that go up or some of these people that try to go up and shock people. Mm-hmm. You know, I was at the open mic night I was telling you about, and some guy goes up there and he does an abortion joke. Okay. Mm-hmm. And without getting into the joke, he mentions a hanger and all this other kind of stuff. Oh, okay. yeah. You know, I mean, how funny, how, how funny is that going to be? Mm-hmm. Is it even necessary? But here's what they don't understand now you can't shock people anymore, you can just piss no. them off. Right. Okay. That's what it is. We don't get shocked anymore. We don't go, oh, that was rude. That was cold. You get we canceled. Go, well, that was inappropriate. <laughs> and then we yell. Yeah. You can go online. There's people throwing stuff on stages and stuff like this. And people walking up on the stage. It's a whole different other time right now. Yeah. And like, I used to do a lot of colleges in the beginning when I started out. There used mm-hmm. to be this thing called NACA with the National Association of College Activities. Mm-hmm. They, they had them in different areas. I went to the Midwest Conference or the National Conference. What happens is all these co- colleges come to this one area and you perform there and they bring you into their school. And back in the day, I got tons of colleges doing that. Okay. Yeah. Now they still have it, but I, I, I wouldn't do it. I couldn't do it. And, and um, because I don't know if I could go within the parameters of, of what they find appropriate now. And not that I'm that horrible a person. I just don't want to stumble on anything. Right. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, no, that thousand makes sense. years ago, before everything got inappropriate, I did Brigham Young University. Mm-hmm. They gave me a booklet. They gave me a booklet this big on what I could not say, what I could not talk about. Yeah. And I still was able to do the show and it was funny. But that's back then. Yeah. You know, um, so I, I, I kind of stay away from the college sort of thing now. And it's no disrespect to the people that could do them. I, plus, I'm not I'm not hip enough, you know. I think we've I think we've thrown that out the window. Uh, you know, you're you're holding your age well, so being hip, yeah. I think. Uh, is well, I'll tell you what. You know, what people don't know is it took me forever to get onto this broadcast because I'm like, I just remember <laughs> when my mom was alive, me trying to teach her how to use the cell phone. You know, <laughs> she used to yeah, go, we started with a blank cell? screen. <laughs> my mother used to go, "Who's low cell?" And I go, "No, low cell means no, mom. Low cell ain't a person." <laughs> So I was like, you know, so I'm just trying to keep up at this point. Yeah. Uh, that's so, awesome. Um, <laughs> obviously, and you were, and you've been involved in radio as well. Uh, in fact, uh, that's where Troy and I kind of know each other. Uh, I did 18 years in radio in um, actually in Lebanon, Pennsylvania for uh, WQIC and WLBR back okay. in the day. And, uh, and so, and Troy also worked there. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, um, but I think that's when I started knowing about you uh, is when you uh, were on the uh, 105.7 The X. In fact, I even remember a little bit about you being on the uh, the country station as well. Yeah. Z107, yeah. right? Seven, yeah. 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 
it's funny between the country station and the rock station when people talk about fans. Now we're going back into a time when, you know, you were playing music. We didn't have all the advantages of getting music now. Now in radio, right. you know, you've got to have good radio personalities on there because mm. no one needs your music. Okay. They can get their music anywhere. They can get it out of their phone, you yeah. know? So, so what you need to have are personalities that get people to stay there. You know, if you like Metallica, we used to still have people calling up when I was a rock station. Hey, how come you're not going to play any Metallica? And I used to go, well, it's the 2020s. You get it in your phone. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're not, you know, you know it's, it's, you still have a request weekend and people still call up to make requests. I'm going, it's just ridiculous. But, um, even back then with the with the with the radio station with the country station there was a lot loyalty with with the fans i'm not saying it is with the with the rock station maybe it's just something over the years but i've had people to come up to me and goes i remember you from cat country and didn't even know i was on the x i was on the x for 15 years wow you know, oh, when we left cat country we stopped listening i said what to, to life i'm still out there you know wow uh, but they never made that connection but yeah they, those were some fun years we had some good times on that on the x yeah yeah, yeah, it's funny sure. you said that with the country um, genre because uh, Troy and I, when we first started this podcast, we we weren't like the the country followers, but yet for whatever reason, our biggest followers are out of Nashville, of all uh-huh. places, and uh, and we found that working with the the country folk, and we've interviewed all genres. Uh, I mean, from rap to um, metal to rock to pop to country, obviously. And for whatever reason, man, the the um, the singers and the entertainers from the country world were always the nicest to us. I mean, they would yeah. like drop everything and and not hesitate to talk with us. And did you? I, it sounds like that's kind of the same experience that you had, like the followers from the the country side of things. Absolutely. You know, back in the day, they used to have something down in Nashville every year called Fanfare. And what happened is you'd go down there and a bunch of radios would show up and they have a radio row and all these artists would come through there and uh, and sit there and they would we'd talk to people. And you got to meet everybody. And I remember sitting there talking with Reba McIntyre, you know, and I didn't really know the country thing as much. as, it, But I started talking to her about uh, the movie Tremors she was in, you know, the with the giant uh, worms in it and everything. And yeah. started talking. About, I remember her. I remember Billy Ray Cyrus. Well, came up and kept talking to me, and I'm going, why Why does he keep talking to me? Why did he keep talking to me? And it was a funny thing. He thought <laughs> he thought I was – remember the Bears player Willie Galt? Yeah. <laughs> he thought I was Willie Galt. Get the heck out of here. <laughs> you know what? I do say – how did you say that? Time, I do like, kind of see that similarity. <laughs> he said, why is he, why is, do you know Billy Ray Cyrus? I said, I don't know. Billy Ray Cyrus, and back that time, his his daughter was like an embryo at that. Yeah, point. yeah, right. Um, I thought it was just because I remember that. Three names. I remember sitting there and getting to meet everybody. When I worked at the country station, there used to be a woman called um, uh, Dandelion, and Dandelion yep. was the overnight. Remember her. remember her overnight radio trucker's friend? They used to say to her, and she knew everybody, everybody in the business. Uh, I'm out on DVD called with Bill Engvall's All Stars of Country Comedy. If you Google mm-hmm. that, that'll pop up. Okay, uh, and I was actually in Nashville performing at the Ryman Auditorium, which was fantastic. And it was me and Foxworthy and Cable Guy, a guy wow. named Killer Bees. Uh, who else was it? Was there uh, Bill Ingvall because he was hosting the whole thing? They didn't have Ron and White part of that crew yet. Ron White was part of that crew too. Okay, and it, was, it was. Well, that was another thing too when they started to go out there and do the blue collar thing. You know, my name came up for that for a while, and I was like, that would have been cool. And then all, but you know, I was doing the radio, and I couldn't stay away from that everywhere. But you know, um, 
But the cool thing about that is she knew everybody in country music. She was able to one that actually got me into that, that was able to get me to be on there because I was mm-hmm. at the country station. She's in the Radio Hall of Fame. We went down there for her induction into the Radio Hall of Fame in Nashville, and we set up. We did a broadcast. Wow. At that time, it was me, a guy named Brad Flick, and and uh, what was Jim's last name? Another I remember guy, Brad. Jim, I can't remember his last name. But it was the three of us. Mm-hmm. We were uh, there, and everybody was being inducted to the Hall of Fame. And what they um, were, they had like their their family inducted. One person had their son talk about the person they've been there. Mm-hmm. Well, Dandelion had Garth Brooks show up, Get the and, and, and 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 speak on her behalf and present her to the Hall of Fame. Wow. So I got up on my refrigerator. I have a picture of me and Garth Brooks. Who else is gonna have that? You know, wow. uh, because he was there and he hung out for the longest time. He met everybody. He hung out so long that he wasn't Garth Brooks anymore. You were just like, was this guy just go home? You know, yeah. and, but he was it was that nice. And, and she just had just she knew everybody. My That's favorite amazing. story about her is when I first met her, she worked overnights. And of course, I was coming in there doing the mornings at the country station. So she says, well, what are you doing this weekend? I said, well, I'm going to go perform, and I'm performing in Las Vegas. And she says, well, um, I'm going out and hanging out with some friends in California. So I said, okay, well, that's cool. So I come back from Vegas. How was Vegas? Hey, I had a great time. I killed. It was great. You know me. She goes, I know you're a good performer. She goes, I'm going to give you uh, pictures of who I was hanging out with. So she shows me the pictures of who she's hanging out. No lie. She's standing there with the Jackson family. What? The Jackson family. The what whole the family, heck? Michael, Michael and Q included, uh, a llama. It was just everything that was <laughs> a the whole family a there. And I'm sitting there going, well, that makes my weekend look like a turd. You know, I mean, <laughs> I, I was at the Riviera, but my goodness. But she knew all these people. Man, um, how'd she, she have all those connections? To, what's that? I said, how'd she have all those connections? She was just, she was that into the business. She was one of the first people to play Garth Brooks, um, uh, Music, one of the wow. first people back in the day, music. yeah. Back and in the one day, morning, right? I remember coming in <laughs> and she's sitting there because you know, you're not supposed to have anybody in uh in studio. But Dandelion, uh, like she would call herself, I'm an old broad, I'm an old broad. She would call herself that, and mm-hmm. uh, she didn't have the, the smoothness or whatever. She would, uh, if she was trying to get a call or to win tickets, she'd jump in the middle of a song and say, All right, no one calling, we got tickets. I mean, just that rough. Big rough. <laughs> and one morning I walk in there, she's talking to Wayne Newton. <laughs> Wayne Newton. Who the hell knows Wayne Wo- Newton in Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania at two o'clock in the morning? <laughs> if you told someone that story, if the, if the cop goes, if you got, let's say I got pulled over that early in the morning. Well, why are you speeding? I got to get to the radio, touch a radio station because Wayne Newton's there. Yeah, right. Get in the car. Yeah. You know, it doesn't even yeah. sound right. Yeah, let's go. But she had those kind of connections. God bless her. She was just a wonderful lady. Oh, that's amazing. And, um, man, yeah, uh, she's a legend. She's a legendary in country music. So, yeah. Wow, that's amazing. What what got you into the radio business to begin with? You know what? It's so funny because radio, like, I, 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 radio was funky back in the day. They had a format. They had a basic format. They had the lead guy. They mm-hmm. had what they would call back then, don't chop my head off, the news girl is what yep. they would say, and the funny yeah. guy. And that's what made up every morning team or every team that was going around there. That's how you got your morning zoos and all this thing and all this stuff. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and back in the day, the funny guy was like, well, hey, five to nine, you come in, be funny, you get to go home. Now, a lot of comedians like to try that. They would, would, would do it. But then 
they didn't have, what happened with them is they'd use up all their material on the radio and then they didn't have anything else to do. For some reason, some reason in this world, I was able to be able to just be myself. And then that way, if you come out to see me perform, it's nothing what you hear on the radio. You would never hear anything uh, that I did on the radio on stage. So I mm -hmm. had that knack to be able to convert and still be funny without mm -hmm. having to use up everything. But as radio, as you guys know, got funky, radio got to a point where it started to, okay, it's time to consolidate. We're cutting here. We're cutting here. We're cutting yeah. here. Now everybody has to be able to do this, their job and this job, yep. you know? So I had to learn how to run the board. I had to learn how to pull commercials. I had to learn how to, what, just all this other kind of stuff that, you know, um, uh, and I remember Nipsey used to say when I had the X, I was like, he's like, man, he goes, this is really bad. I got the joke guy pulling commercials, you know, and that's just how it was. And you guys are in radio. You know how radio is. A radio is kind of like you're dating this really hot chick, okay, and every day you think she's going to break up with you, you know, and then <laughs> one just day waiting. she does, and then she says, no, no, it's not your fault. I'm going into another direction. That's yeah. sort of a thing. Yeah. It's, it's not exactly you, it's like me. <laughs> you know, and I, 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 I <laughs> And I think when I got out of radio, I think one of the hardest things to be able to do is was to live with that part of it, you know. And um, uh, I just didn't like to have that. I like to have, you know, you get to be a certain age where it's like, listen, something's going to come to a point in your life where you're going to have to say, well, I'm not going to have total control of my life, but I'm going to have to have some of it, mm -hmm. you know, where you don't have to, you know, uh, uh, dance to the beat of somebody else. You know, uh, as being a comedian, I really don't have to retire. Knock on wood, staying healthy, that's pretty much it. Mm -hmm. I can do it as much as I like, and it's great, you know? Yeah. So you, you, know? you had an amazing chemistry there at the at the X when with you, Nipsey, and Jen Shade there. And uh, you know, I would listen to you guys. And, and you were talking to us a little bit before we started recording here that I think I think you said, too, Cumulus, I think, was the one that owned you guys at that point. And, it, was, um, it, was, it was Citadel. Citadel, you're right. And, yes, and it was Citadel. Was, you're right. Sharon was on the air. And Howard Stern was going to leave like at uh, 2000, I get to the end of 2005 or something. We'll just say, I don't yeah. know the exact year, but I'll say at the end of 2005. The year that the Citadel series, had the uh, idea of going, hey, you know what? We're just going to get out of our contract and we're going to get rid of him a year earlier. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because everyone knew there was going to be kind of a backlash and stuff. And they go, well, by the time he really leaves Terrestrial Radio, okay, uh, we'll be already broken in. Yep. And that's what happened. I think after they they, they switched, I think we're one of only two uh, teams that are actually were still together um, after Howard left. Everyone else has kind of fallen apart and, and fell to the to the wayside. But so we jumped in it early and he's like, we take our lumps now. And then that way, at the end of the year, we're going to be lump free at that point. But people mm -hmm. were, were furious. You know, the one thing I never really liked about radio is the fact that people can be anonymous and everyone's got big balls when they're able to call in. Oh, yeah. Like that, yep. you know? And I just think that's, you know, it's it's all radio did a lot of times remind me how much of a coward a lot of people are. For sure. You Definitely. Know? And so people would call in and they were yelling at us and they were calling us all names. It was real. Mm -hmm. I said the first day, I said our first morning was like the first eight minutes of saving Private Ryan. It was like, <laughs> oh, you think everything's like that? Boom. Everything's blowing up. You're walking yep. around looking for your arm. Just all kinds. Of, it was It was that bad. It was, was, your first, yeah. was your first day with them? Was your first day with them the day that you guys stopped Stern? Was that how that worked? Yeah. Oh and it was, my and gosh. At that point, it was just me and Nipsey at that point. It was just me and Nipsey at that point. Like oh, wow. it was. I'll never forget it. It was on the Thanksgiving, uh, two thousand and five. I think it was when we went on. It was the weekend after Thanksgiving. Okay. Um, 
and and that's what it was. And they were calling us all kinds of names and stuff, and and just and, oh, they just names Did, like like and they were being just racial, just everything. And hmm. they were some names they call us. We didn't even know who they were for. We had to ask each other. I go, is that one me or is that you? I don't know. Is that, yeah. you know? I, uh, I remember your glossary. I remember your name yeah. from the countryside of things, but you you didn't really do the the funny shtick on the countryside, did you? Not so much. I, I did, but it was really weird because the country thing was more. It was more in, inviting. You know, it was mm-hmm. like country country fans are like, look, we're going to take you in, okay, and we're gonna you're going to be a part of us, okay, and you give us a reason not to be a part of us, mm-hmm. okay. Whereas a lot of other genres those fans sit there with their arms folded and they go prove to me that you should be here, you know, and uh, you never can really win with that. And I was, I was the funny guy on that show. And I mean, that's when I, you know, I think one of the first comedy shows is I, I played the forum and sold out the forum and the car, the, the, uh, the, um, the comedy audiences, uh, the, uh, the country audience is just amazing. Mm -hmm. And they're like, Hey, you know, you make us laugh, we'll follow you everywhere. you and guys that's shared, how it turned out to be, you know. You guys now shared you a building. I'm sorry. You guys shared a building. You guys shared a building with the ex at that point, right? So you you were right down the yeah, hall we from were in the same building over there in Elizabethtown on Radio Road, and um, yeah, so did, they were down see? the hall. And I remember being on the country station, and I think Nipsey was doing evenings. Yeah. On on, on the I yeah, think I think he had like the three to seven point. slot or something. Yeah, and we used to stand out back, and um, he used to tell me how he wanted to do stand-up comedy. He told me that all the time, you know. Well, eventually when we got to the X and I was doing a lot of shows like at the Whitaker or whatever, I'd have him open up for me, you know. And uh, and he had a nice nice little act going. And, I mean, you know, we're really too much pressure on him because, you know, people are showing up because he's the radio guy and they like the right, radio Right, right. So I, I was like, listen, you don't even have to worry about killing. Don't worry about it. Just be cute and entertaining because that's what they expect from you. Mm-hmm. I'll well, do all the heavy lifting, and I'm not calling it heavy lifting. I'm just going to be doing what I'm supposed to be able to do. He, he had a nice little shtick going there when um, when he first – I don't know if he just – if that was his first gig out of college. Was, was the X the first gig out of college for him? Or No, I think he used to – I think he used to do um, – I think he used to intern uh, in in Philly. I think he was in Philly uh, for, mm. for – uh, was it Bob uh, – the Bella? Is it Bella? And he used sure. to uh, do mornings uh, or intern with him over there too. That's how he got his his nickname Nipsey. And and but he uh, was coming on, him. and he was having callers on, and he'd hang up on him, and he'd make fun of him, and he'd mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff, and yeah, playing noises night, over him. I think if you, I think if you got him in a in a in a corner at this point and asked him, I think he as much fun as we had. I think he'd like his late night show a lot better. And um and listen, I don't I wouldn't blame him. You're the guy. Yeah. You do the whole thing. You know, you don't have to share the stage with any anybody else you know and you can pretty much make your uh your you know your your call you know mm-hmm. lots of a and, format uh, so just kind of wing that. it so that, as wouldn't, you go. that wouldn't offend me at all if he actually said that he liked that better absolutely yeah. not yeah so i mean you left when did you leave there exactly uh it was 2020 i think it was because this is so 20, was this right before the pandemic or during it um, I, we were, we weren't even in studio. We were doing broadcasting from the house. Okay. So I think it's oh, right, wow. right in the middle of the pandemic, you know, um, yeah. you know, and, um, it was just weird too, because I, I, I just think that with the pandemic came, I think it gave a lot of people a lot of time to reflect, you know, and, um, it just made you realize that, wow, you know, maybe we should be doing something different or doing something a little bit more, um, or important or prosperous. Not that that wasn't important, but. 
You know, yeah. it just got to a point where I was like, wow, you know, I, I got to do something. I got to finally take a point where I do something for me. You know, I've always mm -hmm. been a team mm -hmm. player. My name never had to go first. It didn't even have to go second. It could go last for all I care. I just wanted to be able, all I ever wanted to do is said, all I want to do is come on here and tell jokes and be funny. That's the best thing I can do for me. Okay. I don't have to be in charge. I don't have to be the top guy. I don't have to be a star. I just want to be that funny person. Yeah. You want to be that guy that's just sitting in the room and just having a good time kicking back yeah. and, and just yeah. talking. I mean, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. No, it yeah. never felt like a job either. That was a cool thing about it, you know. You know, and the only time it ever felt like a job is like when you're, you know, you're the 1099 and the tax thing and all that other <laughs> stuff. But other than yeah. that, it never, it never really felt like that. I never caught myself going, yeah, I got to work tomorrow. I would always say, I got radio tomorrow. Yeah. You know, I don't go with stand up. I don't say, um, well, I got to work tonight. I said, I'm performing tonight, you know. So I never really had that feel of, of, of actually um, um, doing the work. I'm blessed yeah. where I'm doing something that I love. There's tons of people out there that are stuck. Okay. Yeah. And I, and I feel for them. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, I was, I was a little disappointed to hear that you guys really haven't kept in touch and, and I don't know, you know, I, I guess there's no hard feelings. It's just kind of things just people moved on, I guess. Right. So, well, back in the day, it was so funny. We used to have this discussion all over the air and I remember they said, listen, at some point we're not going to work together again. We'll all be friends. And I remember going, no, we won't. <laughs> I said, we won't be friends. They go, why? I go, well, listen, we really have nothing in common other than the fact that we sit here and stood at each other and looked at each other for 15 years, you know? Yeah. Not yeah. like we hang out after the place, which would be quite annoying anyway if we were off there and hung out with each other. We all have different lives. And, you know, Jen has all the events and the, and the things that mm -hmm. she does. And, and, you know, Nips likes to do his things. He had a son at the time. And, you know, and I'm always doing, you know, all over the place. So I said, uh, no, um, uh, no. Um, by a, a week after I left, I, I reached out to Nipsey and I said, hey, man, you know, I got some shows coming up. If you still want to do some comedy, come on out and uh, and do it. And he never really got uh, back to me. Mm -hmm. And there were people that would come out to me and goes, well, you're on the radio. You know, um, you know, how are people going to know you're doing a show or you're a comedian if you're not on the radio anymore? And I said, <laughs> I was here for 15 years. OK, <laughs> I still got people coming up to me after shows now going after sold out shows going you know what? I never saw you before. And I just want to go, where the hell have you been? <laughs> right. Yeah. You know? Yeah, you for know? sure. It, but that's just how it is. The audience is ever going and always and always and always growing with it. But I have mm -hmm. no hard feelings against any of them. Love them like like anything. Um, sure. You know, maybe I should reach out. But it's like I'm I'm I've got so many things that I'm working on right now. And I'm playing catch up with a lot of stuff in my life mm -hmm. that I probably let go to the wayside in the last five years of, uh, of doing, um, um, radio. And that's not their fault. That's completely yeah. my fault. I should have had a, a better plan. I'm playing catch up and it seems to be working well. Um, if I had to plan the right, it wouldn't be playing catch up at all. I probably mm -hmm. where well, I'm supposed to be. Well, let's, you know? let's, uh, kind of wrap things up here and kind of go over all your stuff here again. Again, was, you know, this is Earl David Reed and look him up on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, just by putting his name in there. Uh, all the shows coming up kind of locally uh, in, in the Pennsylvania area anyway. We got uh, the Eichelberger Performing Arts Center in Hanover, Pennsylvania, and that's the Ike.org. That's March 24th. And then March 25th, we got the Reading Civic Center in Reading, Pennsylvania. It's ReadingCivic.org. April 1st, the Allen Theater uh, in Anvil, Pennsylvania, AllenTheater.com for tickets. And then May 20th, uh, again, I, I didn't write this one down, but it's the AppelCenter.org, and that's in York. Yes. Um, York, Pennsylvania. And that's uh, May 20th again, May 20th. So 
Yeah. Uh, hit yeah. hit these websites up. Just go to his Instagram. Go to his Facebook. Go to his Twitter. Yeah, whatever. Right. And, and not to be, I, I'm only thinking about the things that are coming up local because I try to stay as spring comes close to the to the area. Um, but uh, Vero Beach, Florida, Fort Myers, Florida, Fort Lauderdale's coming up. Glasgow, nice. Kentucky's coming up. Um, mm. uh, what else is uh, Albany, New York, um, uh, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. So I'm all over the place. Sweet. I'm actually. Oh, yeah. Starting to get out there and 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 get into this a lot more where I should. And be, how do so. you get your name out there as far as getting into these venues? Uh, do they well, call it's you? Really you hard to do to because a lot of times what happens is it's like it, you know it's funny you go to these comedy clubs and a lot of these comedy clubs um, have the same people that they use all the time, and um, it's the weirdest thing because everybody that runs a comedy club thinks they're an expert on what comedy is. My mm-hmm. philosophy is there's probably not uh, any halfway decent comedian could perform in any club there is. Okay. There's nothing special, you know, mm-hmm. um, but they all want to make sure that they have the people that they know in there. And you got to figure it out. It's rough. Like as a headliner comedian, there's only 52 weeks in a year. Yeah. Okay. Now, if you take away the ones that are vacation where people don't work on, if it falls on that, then you're done there too. So to be yeah. able to get different, you know, like I'll go place once a year. I don't have to go a place uh, twice a year. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but uh, that's how it is. And you get out there and it pretty much have to crush it and, and just kill it. Matter of fact, uh, Reading Civic Theater wanted to uh, I wanted to do a, a show there. And uh, they were like, well, you know, uh, we're going to see that. We're booking it. And I said, OK, so well, how about this? How about you come see me at a show? Mm-hmm. And uh, and I did this show out at the fairgrounds in, in Ole, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And 350 people showed up. And Ole's about maybe eight miles from Reading. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Well, the people that showed up that run that theater were there and they just fell in love right away. So I go, awesome. okay, so that's how you have to do it. Sometimes it's just by people knowing you and just saying, hey, like um, Majestic Theater in Pottsville, Pennsylvania. They were like, well, we were wondering if you were ever going to call. We were going to reach out to you, you know? And so it's just the weirdest thing. So sometimes huh. it just it just happens. But right now um, I'm working on some television things. I would get into it more, but I don't want to jinx it. Yeah, but, sure. Um, Cause that's how it is with this business. It's just, it just, you know, it, what sucks about this business. Like you could say, well, what are you doing? I'm studying to be a lawyer. You go, okay. And then eventually you pass the bar exam where I could say, well, I'm working on this and show business just change. And the only people that understand it are the people in show business. Yeah. Everybody right. else goes, oh, you're bullshitting. You're making stuff up. And I just got tired of just telling people what I was doing. So I was just going to say, if you turn on the TV, you'll see me, uh, uh, sitting there, um, and uh, we'll 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 figure that part out. I'm done with radio at this point. Mm-hmm. The day I left Rochester, New York, I still got a call from a radio station in Tampa, and it's the weirdest <laughs> thing. It's like being in the mob. Every time I try to get out, <laughs> you know, they pull me back in. Because yeah. Harris, uh, I was in Harrisburg. That's market seventy eight. Rochester's like number sixty. Tampa's number seventeen. Look, I'm wow. not that good. I appreciate it, but you know, I I just can't go around the. Uh, 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 the country with these different radio stations. So I'm done with that, and uh, hopefully yeah. everything will get better. But you guys are well, fantastic. Uh, I'm going to invite you oh. to the April 1st show at the Allen Theater. Stay in touch, and we'll work that out. And, yeah, uh, definitely. I would love to be to there. Yeah, dude, you're, you're that, amazing, yeah. and you're selling yourself short on the radio gig too. Because I know you're, that's not wasn't like your first love, and you didn't want to do that. But you did an amazing job on there, and I, and you kept a lot of people entertained. You would throw in nice little slide jabs. Mm-hmm. You, you did your part. You did your job, and I, and I think. I think you're selling yourself short on that, and I'm not really sure why you do that. But well, I, uh, I appreciate that. But I I realized that in the years I was doing the um, uh, the X, I was surrounded by every time I've been on radio, I've been blessed to be surrounded by really talented people, 
Nipsey's mm-hmm. a talented person in radio. Uh, Jen Shade's a talented person in radio. They each probably have about 30 years of radio experience. Even when I was at Cat Country, you know, I worked with Brad Flick, who's an icon in this area mm-hmm. as far as radio mm-hmm. is concerned. Best voice there is. And so, you know, I mean, I've always been surrounded by good people. So it's like, you know, it's like the, being on the 80s Lakers, you know. Pat Riley just stood there with his arms folded half the time. Because what's he going to do when the huddle comes in? He's going to tell Kareem and Magic what to do? Yeah, so right. It was, it was just like being that. So I've always been blessed to have great, talented people around me. So there Are you, you go. big shot, Bob, of our you're, – you're the Robert Ori of our area here? You're the uh, – you just get that big shot at the <laughs> no, end and put I'm it away? No, more like Dennis Rodman because I remember I used to – they would give us station wear and I would refuse to wear it. You know, I always threatened to cut the sleeves off of everything. <laughs> and when, uh, they gave us these really nice jackets. And um, <laughs> they gave us these nice uh, winter, like, uh, Gore-Tex jackets that were really nice with the logo on it. And yeah. Nipsey wore his everywhere. And uh, it got dirty. And I never wore mine. And mine was clean. And so I remember him saying, hey, you should just, you know, you don't wear your jacket. Give me your jacket. I go, I'll sell it to you. You know, <laughs> and people were so mad at me. Oh, you should give it to him. And, 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 and I go, well, how about this? Okay. Why don't you just keep his stuff clean? You know? Yeah. And I still have that stuff in the closet. Now, there's many times I was like, that's, that's the amazing. stuff you've done radio. The hard thing about radio is, is, is when you get the clothing, there's nowhere else you can do with it. Right. You know, I got yeah. sweatshirts and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's like, I still have know, polos in my closet. <laughs> it's it, man. And some of it's some of the best fitted clothing I ever had. Yeah. You know, so I'm, I'll always keep that. That'll always be a, a, a keepsake. But actually, if Nipsey ever wants the jacket, I'll give him that. I don't know if I wear that every there you go. Nipsey, if you're, if you're listening here, man, reach out to Earl. He'll give you the jacket. Finally. <laughs> he can have there you go. I, I wore it to a football game, a Bishop McDevitt football game. And I had it on because it was one of the only heavy coats I had that was really warm. Uh, my friend, by the way, if I could just tell you this quickly, mm-hmm, sure. uh, Bishop McDevitt, my friend is Steve Saunders. He actually is a strength and conditioning coach for the Ravens. Okay. He's got a son, Stone Saunders. Stone Saunders is his name, best name in football, if you will. Also, yeah. He is the Pennsylvania Player of the Year. He holds the oh, record wow. for the most touchdown passes at Bishop McDevitt with 100. He's only a sophomore, by the way. And he's oh, got wow. like 22, 22 Division One. uh of colleges after right now as a sophomore. Here's a, he, you know, he, he had a girlfriend that when he was a freshman, he had a senior as a girlfriend. As a sophomore, <laughs> he has a senior as a girlfriend. He's not with her yeah. anymore, but who knows what's going to happen his junior year. I said, you might as well just go on to college and start dating there. But it's amazing. <laughs> you talk about the best life. This kid goes up. They won the state championship over Aliquippa. So on a Friday night, any Friday night, he'll get out there and throw five touchdown passes, get up early in the morning, end up on the sideline watching Georgia play somebody. And then on Sunday uh, afternoon, he's sitting there on the sideline with the Ravens. You know, (laughs) what did you do last weekend? You know, Uh, so he's a very talented guy. uh, um, But um, and I wore that jacket. My point is to that game. And I was walking around and people were coming up to me going, oh, my God, are you back on the X? I go, no, 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 no. It's (laughs) <laughs> I said, no, no, I just, I, I, you know, it was the funniest thing. I was kind of flattered with it, but I was like, well, I was just trying to stay warm. So yeah. I thought you were going to say, oh my gosh, Willie Gaunt, are you going to be coaching Bishop McDevitt? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm just waiting for people to get my name right. I did a show. I did a show. What did I do a show? But the whole time they were promoting David Earl Reed. The whole time. <laughs> the whole time. David Earl Reed. David Earl Reed. And what, what, what I found to be very shocking was people were still buying the tickets. 
Yeah. So the show sold out, and I thought to myself, well, maybe I should just change my name to David Earl Reed because that guy seems to be getting all the love. Matter of fact, <laughs> it's a default. Everyone goes to David Earl Reed before they go to Earl David Reed. Uh, you know, I've announced funny. David Earl Reed, James Earl Jones, uh, James Earl Ray. That's a good one. Um, oh my gosh! Uh, it's just it's just bad. But uh, I have I, I love the three names. I'll always keep it. Yeah. The reason why I actually have that is it was Earl Reed in the beginning, but SAG told me I had to change my name because there was another Earl Reed out there with that name in SAG. Yeah, I was and so I just, well, I'll just add my middle name to it. And so there you go. Hmm. I've never met the Earl Reed. I don't know how famous he is, but we, I like we the another, longer name better anyway. So We had yeah. another guy, a, song, a songwriter, singer-songwriter. His name was Jonathan, uh, Jonathan White. And uh, there was another Christian singer by the name of Jonathan White. Yeah. And he already had stuff on Amazon Music and stuff like that. So then he had to change his name. So then he just used his middle name, Jonathan Ashley mm-hmm. White. So yeah, it works. <laughs> I was going to change it to Earl Mellencamp Reed. Or or uh, almost Earl David Reed, right? There you go. Yeah, it's funny because I, I people always say, oh, you know what? Um, you know, people are just weird. They go, oh, you got three names. That means you're a killer. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm always like, well, no, but this would be a good time to start. Maybe the people that kill people <laughs> with three names are just people tired of hearing you go, three names are a killer. Maybe that's how that started. That's probably where it started. That's pretty funny. That's oh, a good man. time to start. Hey, it, it honestly has been a pleasure talking with you. And, it has. Uh, and this was a lot of fun. So we appreciate you coming on board and uh, taking the time to chat with us. I'm telling you right now, this 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 was a lot. That first of all, I was set up at three o'clock because I thought it was three. I'm terrible at that. Oh my Seven thirty, and I was like, oh my goodness. But um, I, I I really like doing this. I'm glad you guys. I'm actually flattered and honored that you guys take the time to uh to um uh, talk to me. And uh, we'll talk again too because I got a lot more things I want to be able to tell you. Yeah, and, we'd love uh, to have you again. again. I just really love this. Uh, I love the show, and I'm really glad that you reached out to me. So. I appreciate and, uh, it. Anyone's yeah, out there you. listening, man, just keep listening to these guys. They're very entertaining. They're always going to give you all the information that you need, folks. And uh, I, I think they're a lot of fun. So that's my endorsement, if that means anything. It's real David. <laughs> it means Reed, a lot to David us. Reed. I don't know what he thinks. What about David Earl Jones? I don't know what he thinks. And we'll yeah. let him know. So. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really care what David Earl Reed thinks, but I'll tell no. you, Earl David no. Reed, man, he is the bomb. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate it, guys. Get out of the way, you bury your name, anything to forget The past there is a life, you stay alive, what colors run dry, the demons that hide The weight is heavy in your mind, you're ready to escape reality, I'm just hit gravity Every thought you think's poison that you drink, barely you breathe at the edge of your
This concludes our broadcast day. Click. Thanks again, everyone, for listening to Stay Tuned with Troy and Howie. We really hope you enjoyed the show. Please share, rate, review, all that fun stuff. Let your friends know you heard it right here on Stay Tuned with Troy and Howie. And we'll see you next week. Until next week, stay tuned.